Father, we are dependent on you now. We ask that you would open our eyes of faith to see marvelous things in your law. Help us to see the beauty of your truth this morning and to embrace it with faith and to act on it in that faith so that we serve you and glorify you. God, may this time, may this be worship, Lord. May the worship not have ended with the singing, but may we still worship and listen attentively with hearts and minds. And may I worship you as I preach, God, rightly dividing your word of truth. And may we be built up this morning, becoming more like, more like Christ and knowing you more, God. I ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. I want to read you a quote that I read a couple of years ago, uh, but read it again this week. I was struck by it. I was compelled by its content. So this is from Jerry Bridges, a book of his called The Transforming Power of the Gospel. This quote, I, I hope, will inspire you, or at least perk your ears up as it did mine. Jerry has been writing books for decades, and he is in his 80s now. He says this, I have been using memorized scripture in my life for 60 years, and nothing has paid greater dividends for the time spent than this discipline. I cannot count for even one month the number of times the Holy Spirit has brought to mind a memorized verse to warn me against temptation, guide me into a decision I'm making, encourage me in a time of stress or anxiety, and help me with countless other situations I encounter in the course of a day. Isn't that an amazing statement? 60 years, he's been memorizing Scripture. And he says that nothing has paid greater dividends for the time spent than the discipline of memorizing the Word of God. That perked my, my ears up. And... Um, the last few weeks, the Lord has been working in my heart to help me to realize afresh the importance of the discipline of Scripture memory. And so this morning, I want to preach a sermon that gives a challenge to you, Calvary Bible Church, to start this year, 2014, with a commitment to devote yourself to Scripture memory. And it's my it's my hope that I'm going to uh, demonstrate from the Word of God why this is such a crucial discipline for you to engage in this year. And I realize that that may be a harder sell than maybe 30 years ago because you've got cell phones. You've got pad devices. I mean, even 10 years ago, right? I don't, I don't think I had a cell phone 10 years ago. But since we've got our cell phones, we've got our pad devices, we can just pull them out, and we've got the Bible with a swipe and a touch, and there's the Bible right there. We've always got it with us, and so it used to, it used to be that there were a lot more situations that you would find yourself in where you did not have your Bible in hand, right? Because you carried it around like, like this everywhere you went. And now you've got the Bible at your fingertips and you keep your cell phone with you all the time. And so it's, it might be a harder sell for me to 
to try to persuade you to memorize Scripture. But I think that there are reasons why. Biblical reasons why this is still a discipline we should engage in, even though we're a society that has stopped memorization, right? We don't memorize things as much as we used to. Phone numbers, addresses, all that stuff goes in our phones, right? We, we know where to find information, but we don't memorize it. It's not here. And so we're in a society where memorization has declined. I realize it may be hard to convince you. But let me remind you, there are even places where you cannot take your cell phone, okay? I don't believe you take it in the shower with you. Right? I don't believe that, well, I hope you don't read it while you're driving. Okay? And I hope if you have a job where you operate heavy machinery, that you're not using your cell phone to read your Bible. But aside from that, I think there are biblical reasons why you should engage in Scripture memory and devote yourself to this discipline. I am um, committing myself to this discipline this year. By God's grace, of course, I'm going to try to do it in my own strength. I will fail if I do that. But I want you to come along with me. And so here are four reasons why I think you should be devoting yourself more to the discipline of memorizing the Word of God. Four reasons, okay? And I'll give you a little bit of how-to at the end. Number one, God's Word should be at home in us. God's Word should be at home in us. For Christians, we can exhibit the tendency for God's word to be like an occasional dinner guest, right? An occasional dinner guest in our hearts and minds. We have dinner guests over occasionally, don't we? You have dinner guests to your home, and and it it may be every once in a while that you have people over like that. And we do make sacrifices for those dinner guests to come over, right? You have to prepare. You've got to clean the house. You've got to make dinner. Right? You might, you've got to buy the food first at the grocery store. There's, there's time, there's energy, there's money involved, there's sacrifice involved. Right? Certainly, when you get into the Word in the mornings, there's sacrifice involved. You could be doing a thousand other things. You're here listening to the Word of God, and, and so you could be doing a thousand other, thing, other things this morning. Certainly, you make sacrifices when you get into the Word of God, right? As you do when you have dinner guests over. But... After a dinner guest leaves, things go back to normal pretty quickly, right? And you don't think too much about those dinner guests after they leave. You had a good time with them, and you feel good about the fact that you were hospitable, as you should be. And that's often how we treat God's Word. We do make sacrifices to read the Word, to hear it preached. But... Then we so often let the Bible out the front door of our minds and our hearts as we say, let's do this again real soon. And at this point, things go back to normal. We don't think too much about God's Word, but we do feel good about the fact that we have read it or we've listened to it as we should. I want you to turn with me to Colossians three sixteen this morning. Colossians 3.16. A text you probably know. It's like an important statement here for us. Colossians 3.16. Paul writes, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 
want to concentrate on that first statement there. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Paul tells us the, the word of Christ should dwell in us. Dwell in us. In other words, the word of Christ should abide in us. It should remain in us. It should be at home in us. I like what John Piper says about this concept. He says, when the word abides in us, it finds a place, a home. It's not foreign. It belongs. You move other things around and even get rid of some things so that the word has room and feels at home. And when you invite someone to make your house their home, you have to make some long-term sacrifices, don't you? It's different than dinner guests, right? When you have dinner guests, you may have to rearrange some things, but really it's, it's no big deal to get things back into their proper place and, and in working order after they leave in a few hours, right? But if you're going to invite somebody to make your house their home, long-term sacrifices have to be made. You're going to have to move some stuff out to the garage, right? You're going to, you might have to get rid of some stuff altogether, take it to the curb, take it to goodwill, right? Your, your kids might have to share a room together when they didn't before, to make room for this individual, to make them feel at home. This person's going to need a bed. This person's going to need a closet, a chair at the dinner table, some space in the medicine cabinet, right? But let me be a little clearer here. When we're speaking of God's Word dwelling in us, being at home in us, it's, it's not like the Word of God is the the guy renting out the fourth bedroom in the back. Not like that. Not, not like um, you're not to make the word of God be at home in you in that way. As in, oh, pay new, no attention to that guy. You know, that's just, I don't know, Gus. He, he rents out the bedroom. Rather, the word dwell here means to have influence. The word dwell means to have influence as well. Not just taking up space, but to have influence. The word of God in you is not the renter you ignore. Rather, the presence of the word of God in your heart influences your desires. It influences your thinking, your choices, your behavior for the glory of God. And remember what the text says as well. That the word of God is to dwell in you, what? Richly. I think a better translation is abundantly. The word of God should dwell in us abundantly. So God's word is not just the aloof, temporary, forgettable renter. But the word of God is, is all up in our business. Okay? In the thick of things. A member of the family, right? Somebody, not even a member of the family, but the most influential. The most influential thing in your heart. Permeating your decisions, your thoughts, your desires. Right? What you say, what you do. It's all in the thick of things. And it's influencing the direction of your life from its very foundations out to 
your exterior. See, as sinful people, the thoughts and desires that can often be at home in us are very me-centered. Centers around us or other things and can center around even things that are good but not best and most supreme, which is God represented, communicating himself through his word. See, it's not hard for us to spend our free thinking time nursing self-pity, right? Those are often thoughts that are at home in us. Nursing self-pity or wallowing in the regret of what could have been easy for us to go there. We can easily use up free mental energy making a home for fantasies about selfish ambitions or the next big kick we're on. It's not hard to go there. We let our thoughts wander. What thoughts and desires feel most at home in you, church? What thoughts and desires feel most at home in you, Should it not be the thoughts and desires that are centered on our Savior and Lord? God made us. He made you. He created your body. He he gave you life. And not only did he give you spiritual life, he he gave you regeneration. He, He made you new. He gave you a new heart. He forgave you of all of your sins through the blood of his Son. He's promised you heaven. He's given you his Holy Spirit to dwell in you so you can live this life for him. And so many more things that I don't have time to even mention. He's done that for you. Shouldn't the thoughts that are most at home in us be thoughts that are centered on him? Don't you want to know him? Don't you want to know him? Look at all he's done for you. We need to memorize the word of God in order to break up the me-centeredness of our thoughts and desires and put God on the throne here. It's easy for us to nurse thoughts about self. Let's break it up. Put in God's truth. Put in descriptions of who he is, what he's done, promises he's given to you, principles he's told you to live by. He made us not to live for ourselves, but to live for him. He made us to live for him, to worship him, not to worship self, not to center our lives around self, but to center our lives around him. But yet we're the ones that are talking to ourselves most often. Do you get that? How are we going to live for him and glorify him if we're the ones talking to ourselves most? He should be talking to us most. And it takes discipline for us to do that. Grace-empowered discipline, but discipline insert throughout the day scripture you're chewing on, meditating on, memorizing, praying that scripture, praising God for what you see in that scripture, asking for the grace to live that way or to see God that way. Now, that's number one. Scripture should have home in us. It should be at home in us. Number two, scripture memorization helps conform us to Christ. Scripture memorization helps conform us to Christ. You should turn with me to John 15, 7. 
John 15, 7. This is it. This is an amazing verse. What Jesus says here. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I'll read it again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What is the connection there? What's the connection between having your requests granted by God and the words of Christ abiding in you? What's the connection? Here I think it is. When you have God's word abiding in you, remaining in you, dwelling in you through constant meditation, then it transforms you. It transforms your heart. It transforms your affections and your desires so that what you desire is what God desires, what Christ desires. Your desires become His. Your heart becomes more like His. Your will becomes more like His. As you meditate and chew on the Word of God throughout the day and let Him talk more to you through His Word, He conforms you. He makes you more like Him. And so that's going to come out in your prayers, right? Right? That's going to come out in what you pray. If if He is conforming you through the abiding Word, then what you pray for is going to be what He loves, what He desires. It's going to be centered on Him. And don't you think that God is eager to answer your prayers if they have Him at the center? He's going to answer those prayers because they're what he delights in. And as he transforms you, you now delight in what he delights in. And he gives you, grants you those requests. You're praying scripture. You're praying for his will to be done. You're praying for his glory. And God delights to give you those requests. The abiding word transforms you. I think that's what's meant by Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart right? If you're delighting in the Lord, then the desires of your heart are going to be His desires. They're going to be for Him. And I think it's also, um, this, this concept is also echoed in 2 Corinthians uh, 3.18, right? We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, what does he mean there? And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord, if you look in that context, the gospel, the truth of God. Okay, he's talking about the new covenant in that, that context. And so as we behold the glory of the Lord in his word, he's transforming us into his image. The abiding word conforms us. And don't we want that? I mean, we're told in, in Romans 8, 29 that Uh, we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. We're predestined to be like Christ. God has planned that out before the world began. How How are we active in that role? By his grace. By making the word of God abide here, remain here, dwell here, be at home here. Don't you find that uh, if you've got a cr- close relationship, like a best friend, spouse, the more time you spend around them 
talking with them, getting to know them, that uh, the things that they enjoy and love become what you enjoy and love. I've been married to my wife for um, almost uh, 11 years. And I was dating her be- years before that. And I, I, more and more I get to know her, uh, the things that she loves and desires, I, I love and desire. And I, I'm not the same guy before I met Carrie. I'm not. Uh, I had different interests, but uh, you, you think, if you would have known me, like when I was 17 years old and know me now, you'd say, why do you like these things? I, I never would have thought you would have liked this. Well, my, my wife has influenced me. I've been spending time with her, a lot of time with her, and her desires are becoming mine. Isn't that to be true? It's, it's, that's just kind of an illustration of what's going on here. We spend time with God. And, and as, we, as we are having his words abide in us, we're getting to know him, right? I, I, that's, I think that's implied here that scripture memory should be done so that we know God more, right? So that we fellowship with him more. And as we're fellowshipping with him more, and he's talking to us through his word, then he's changing us to become more like his son. And one day, we'll go to heaven. And the sanctification process will be over, but he'll have completed his work. We'll be holy and blameless and beyond reproach, Colossians says. But now, we're becoming more like him. And as we become more like him, you know, we become, uh, we have the same heart as he has, then we, we delight more in seeing God work in our lives. We delight more in seeing God work in other people's lives. We delight more in his word. We delight more in his people. We become more joyful people, even if our lives are hard. We become more joyful people. So, let me just add this uh, into this second point, just one more thing, and that is um, we can... If, if we're not allowing God to talk to us more through scripture memory and meditation uh, throughout the day, we can very easily um, forget who God is. Right? If we only get into the word of God occasionally, we can forget who God is and we start treating him according to who we imagine him to be instead of who he truly is. If we have the words of God abiding in us, then we're reminded, here's who God is. Here's who God is. So we treat him according to who he is. We, we engage in the things that he loves. We pray the way he loves. We worship him the way he wants to be worshipped. But we can often, if we're not, not listening to him more, forget who he is, and that affects the way we respond to him. That's the way it happens with our human relationships too. If a husband... Um, stops listening to his wife, starts tuning her out more and more, then he's going to start treating her according to what he imagines her to be instead of who she really is. And that can leave a, a relationship empty, cold. Listen to God. He's telling you who he is. He's telling you what he's done. He's telling you what he's promised you, what he's given you. Don't neglect that. Number three. Scripture memory gives us ammunition in battling sin, Satan, and the world. Scripture memory gives us ammunition in battling sin, Satan, and the world. Let's not be mistaken. Life is war. Life is war. Romans 6.12 says, Let not sin therefore reign 
in your mortal body to make you obey its passions? Fighting sin. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 1 John 2, 15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. We have a threefold enemy, sin, Satan, and the world. And though bullets may not be whizzing over your head and bombs are not going off near you, there is a battle being fought and we're in the middle of it. It's a spiritual battle in the heavenly realm. But you know, praise the Lord. He's not left us without a weapon. He's given us a weapon. There is, uh, Satan is seeking to lead us astray. Our hearts are seeking to lead us astray. The world is seeking to lead us from the Lord. But God has given us a weapon. Ephesians 6, 17 says that the word of God is the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. As we battle against sin and Satan, the Holy Spirit uses the truths of God's word to put sin to death in your life. That's what the Holy Spirit takes and uses the promises, the principles, the, the descriptions of who God is, his attributes, takes them, and he uses them to help us sever sin, sever unbelief in our lives, put sin to death. You see, in the Word of God, you find reasons why Jesus is gloriously better than sin. Now, you find promises to fight, that promises that are yours, they're given to you because of Jesus' life and death and resurrection on your behalf. Promises. Reasons why Jesus is better. You find warnings of the danger of sin. You find examples of faithfulness to follow. You find principles to practice as you strive to love God and love others and not yourself, right? You see the future when Christ returns to conquer Satan completely and rule in his eternal kingdom where sin cannot enter. Find this in the Word and more to help you fight this spiritual battle. And you know, in regard to helping us fight this fight of faith so we can honor the Lord and put sin to death, faith is extremely important to this conversation because we are going to choose to believe something. We're going to choose to believe ourselves or someone else, right? Some philosophy in the world. We're going we're gonna to trust in someone or something all the time. Either God or someone else. So we need the Word of God to give us the truths to cling to with our faith. Okay? Turn with me to Proverbs 22, 17 through 19. I'm going to show you something. Proverbs 22, 17 through 19. I'd never uh, thought about this text deeply until this week. This is what Solomon writes. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you. What's them there? What's them? If you keep them within you. It's the words of the wise in verse 17. The words of the wise. If you keep the words of the wise, and, and I, I think implicitly this is the word of God because we have here Solomon speaking, uh, writing the word of God. The words of the wise, that wisdom comes from God. 
So if you keep the words of the wise, if you keep God's truth within you, if all of them are ready on your lips, why? Why is it good? Why is it necessary that your trust may be in the Lord? He's saying it's good that the words of the wise, that God's truth, be in you, that you keep them within you so that your trust will be in the Lord. So you want to have faith in God? You want to have faith in the Lord? Then memorize scripture and meditate upon it. And that will help you to cling by faith to his promises, to his truth. That's why we should memorize scripture. Put it inside of us. With meditation, with and, and, and as we do so, as we, we're, we're allowing God to speak to us through his word more and more, it's going to make it so that we believe him. And as we believe him, we don't believe ourselves. As we believe him, we don't believe the world. As we believe him, we don't believe others who are not walking in his ways. And we put sin to death. We cut off unbelief with belief in his promises, in his truth. So it, it kind of works like this, using the sword, of spirit, the sword of the Spirit to cut off unbelief in your life. Let's say you're tempted. So you're tempted, it, it could be any number of sins. You tell yourself this, the scripture, take the scripture out and, and use this. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now here's what you, you do. And, and helping you to fight temptation there. I'm talking to myself and saying, Brent, you're no longer part of that, that domain. You're no longer part of that kingdom of darkness. No, you've been delivered from that. And delivered, you've been saved from that. You had to be saved from it. Well, why would you go back there? If you were delivered from it, why would you go back? Now you've been transferred to the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God's beloved son. You have a new master, a new king, a new authority. And he must be a good master. He must be a good king because it says that he is the beloved son of God. So if God loves him, he must be good. He must be a good king. And I know he's, he's good because it says later on in verse 14 that in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Of course he's good. Of course I can trust him. Of course I can submit to him because he's given me redemption. He's given me forgiveness. Then why would I want to go back to the domain of darkness? Why would I want to go live like a citizen of darkness again? It's not my authority anymore. I've got this good king. I've been transferred. I've been delivered. I want to run back to the, the, that kingdom. There's nothing for me there except for misery. See how that works? So we are creating an arsenal giving the Holy Spirit ammunition to use in our fight of faith as we memorize Scripture, meditate on it, keep it there. And one of the reasons we don't memorize Scripture more diligently, I think, is because we forget that the battle is raging. It's out of sight, out of mind. We don't see it, right? I mean, can you imagine, though? I mean, I mean in real war, Vietnam War, those soldiers forgetting they were in battle? Did they ever forget that they were in battle? No, because the signs were all around them. Can you imagine them going out into the jungles of Vietnam during wartime without a weapon? 
I'm sure that was unheard of. Yet, we so often take our sword and we sheathe it. We put it away during the day and the battle's raging around us. Let me, let me tell you this. The fact that we rarely think of life as war proves the reality of that war. Proves the reality of that war. Why? Because Satan is the deceiver, right? He's subtle in his attacks, in his temptations. Uh, the, the first Peter text says he's the prowling lion, right? Stealthily seeking to devour his prey. God gave us a weapon, church. And he gave us a weapon for a reason, right? He gave us a weapon for a reason to fight with. This is not like those swords you go and buy at the store in the mall and go hang on the wall in your man cave. No, this is to be used. It's to be used by you daily. It's functional so you can fight this fight of faith for his glory and your joy in him. When you memorize scripture, church, remember as well that you are following the example of the psalmist in Psalm 119.11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We store it up so that we see, oh, I don't want to don't, don't choose sin. I want him. I want him. That's, he's glorious. I want to honor him. I want to know him more. I want to draw near to him. I see. I see, I see this. I see it's, it's promising high. But God says, there's emptiness, there's misery. And that, and in him, there's joy everlasting. I want him. Number four. Scripture memorization makes God's word ready for you to use in ministry. Scripture memorization makes God's word ready for you to use in ministry. It's a, it takes it one more step from the pages of your Bible into your mind, one step closer to your mouth to use in ministry. We have a responsibility to proclaim God's word to each other, right? To each other as the church and to unbelievers who need Jesus so desperately. 1 Peter 2.9 tells us that God made us his people so that we would proclaim his excellencies. He, he saved us to be his proclaimers, to declare him. So we proclaim him, his excellencies, to one another and to an unbelieving world who needs him. I mean, we, when we're talking about uh, using words to minister to each other, the church, I mean, think of all of the one another commandments that are given to us that involve you speaking God's truth to one another. I mean, think of Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. What, what, what speech does more to edify the church than speaking his words, God's words? What more does, what, word, what words do more than imparting the grace of his words to each other. I mean, we, can, we can say a lot of things, but is there anything we can say that would do more good in building up and imparting grace than speaking God's words to each other? We also, we speak words 
to obey the great commission to make disciples of all nations. This includes evangelism. Let us be a people who are not afraid to use God's word in our gospel presentations. Take it. Take his word and the power of his word and use it to share what Christ has done for sinners. I don't know if this sounds familiar to you or not, but uh, th- this has happened to me when I'm trying to either share the gospel with somebody or, or uh, seek to build up another member of the household of faith. I'm, uh, I'm thinking, okay, I, I know there's this, this verse. I, I, it's somewhere in the Bible. And I, I remember I read it at some point. You know, it's, maybe it's in the New Testament or, or maybe it's in Acts, but Acts is really big. And so, uh, and so you flip it around looking for it and you, and you can't remember where it is. And you're like, oh, it's in there. It's, I promise it's in there. I mean, but you memorize the scripture. You got it right there. It's one step closer to your lips so you can bless and bring comfort and you can admonish, exhort, encourage, right? It's one step closer. It's, it helps you to be able to engage in ministry better. There's a lot more reason, church. I don't have time. I definitely want us to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning we don't have time, but there's so many more reasons. I, I think, like I've already said, uh, if we want to fellowship with God, why aren't we memorizing Scripture more? To know Him more, right? To commune with Him more. Have Him speak to us, right? That's how we fellowship with, with each other, right? If you're fellowshipping with another believer, you're speaking to them, they're speaking to you, you're listening, Right? And when we are meditating on the law of the Lord day and night, and we're having the word of God in our hearts, we're memorizing it, we're thinking about it, we're asking questions of it, then God's speaking to us through his word, and we, we speak back by praying for what's in the word, praising him for what's in the word. Fellowship. Fellowship. It's the most important relationship you have, right? Why aren't you letting him speak to you? Okay, let's talk about some how-to as we close up here. Just a few how-to tips for memorizing Scripture. I've already said this uh, a little bit. Don't separate memorization from meditation. Okay, this, We're not talking about you memorizing a bunch of facts to regurgitate on a test. That's not the memorization we're talking about here, right? I mean, I did that so many times in college. Just memorized the facts, went and spit it out on a test. I have a criminal justice degree. I don't know anything about the law. Okay, it's, it's back there in the past. That's not what we're talking about here. Okay, we're talking about taking it, memorizing it, and getting as much out of it as possible, right? You ask questions of it. You pray it, right? You ask God to answer prayers that are represented in the scripture text. You praise him for things that are there, right? You speak about it. You use it in ministry. Meditation. You mull over it in your mind. Turn it over again. Think about, think about this word. Think about this word. How these are, words are put together. Don't separate memorization from meditation. Okay? Um, it's like, I remember in elementary school, learning about the Native Americans and how they used the buffalo, right? They got everything they could get out of the buffalo. Right? Every part of it was a resource for them. You'd be like that with the Word of God, with the Scripture you're meditating on, that you're memorizing. Ring that thing out. Get all that you can. Also, read the context of a verse before you memorize it. Right? If you're going to memorize a, a scripture text, um, go and read the chapter. 
so that you don't think it means something different than it really does in its context, right? So remember to keep it in context. Read the chapter or the book before you memorize. Don't shy away from memorizing bigger portions of Scripture as well, like paragraphs, chapters, even books. Aspire to do that? Wow. Don't shy away from that. Don't be scared of that. doesn't mean you have to, to do it in a certain amount of time. Just make it a goal. You need to have a plan. If you're going to do this, you've got to have a plan, okay? If you don't have a plan, you're, you're not just not going to do it. Have a plan in place, and it's got to be a plan that has review in mind so that you're memorizing new scriptures, but you're reviewing old ones, right? So take a, a certain part of um, your day to review and to memorize new scriptures. You know, when you're, when you're getting ready in the morning, like I can't, I can't uh, shave and brush my teeth really while I'm looking at a scripture card. Maybe I could, but it's better if I'm reviewing in my mind because it's already there, and so I can, I can concentrate on what I'm doing and at the same time I'm memorizing or reviewing the scriptures I've memorized. So I have a plan, a plan that includes review. Uh, let me, let me uh, just try to persuade you to look at Fighter Verses. Uh, it's an app you can get for your iPhone or your Android, Fighter Verses. It's an app that costs $2.99. I know some of you guys are like, I don't buy an app unless it's free. $2.99, small price to pay for this app, okay? Scripture memory app, and it's got all kinds of features. You can listen to your script, the scripture you're trying to memorize. If you've, got, if you've got some time in the car, right, where you're driving, you put your verse on play, and it repeats itself over and over and over again, okay? Or, or you, you can just push read whole chapter. You got that verse right there? Read whole chapter. Bring the whole chapter of that, uh, that that verse is in on your phone or your pad device. Because lots of cool features, review features and stuff like that. I want to commend that to you. If you're old school and you don't have a smartphone, okay, then go on online to fighterverses.com. You can buy, buy a little binder full of um, these little scripture memory cards. And they give you a little plastic thing. You, you put it in. You keep it in your pocket. Do that. But they have a pretty good plan that goes along with um, the Fighterverse program. So I commend that to you. Also, memorize with other Christians for accountability and mutual edification, right? Um, do it in, in your small groups. Do it in your Bible studies, right? Do it with your, your close friends. Do it together. It helps you to continue um, to me memorize and meditate. Okay, there are a lot of other things that I could say, but it's a challenge I am giving to you this year, 2014. Uh, if you want to talk about this, you want to get some more tips, you want to know more about this, come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about it. I'm, I am seeking to do this more faithfully. Uh, ask me about it. You ask me how it's going. And if I know you guys are going to come and ask me about it, it's going to help me too. Okay? Let's do this together, church. God is worth it. His word is precious. It is, it is better than much fine gold. That's what David says in Psalm 19. Do you believe it? Father God, help us now to be a people who have your word abiding in us so that we know you more, so that we serve you more, so we, we're engaging in more ministry, we're conforming to Christ more, so we're fighting sin more. God, please, there's so many more benefits. Reveal those benefits through, uh, through study and through the wisdom of others to these people so that they uh, will be more persuaded to uh, engage in this discipline. We ask this all in Jesus' name and for his glory.